You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Hannah Weaver. Hey. That is really your last name? Yeah. That is awesome. Thanks. Do you ever weave clothing? Um, when I was very young, we did like an art project in, in like grade school. We learned how to weave and I got really into it because I was like, these are my people. I um, literally can't. I don't think it's crocheting. I believe it's what it's called. I can't mm-hmm. do that. And just with the whole like... You take the knit one, knit two. I don't know if that's weaving also, but that's like extremely tasking. And it's, I think it might be, you know, we talk about people stay away from things that they honestly don't want to do. Like that's kind of the, the norm. If you're not good at it, just leave it. Or I rather work on that and figure out how not to get upset when I crochet. Cause I see the things people make and I'm like, you're awesome. Is this a pillow that has my face on it? Like what? Yeah, it's super cool. I feel like people do it as like a stress reliever. So if it's causing you stress, it might not be the, the best way to relieve stress. It's, this is, it's like those candles that say calm and serene and they honestly just piss you off even more when you smell it. It's like, all right, this isn't making me happy at all. My yeah. house stinks, you got to throw it out. Yeah, I will say this. So my middle name is a family name. It's my mom's last name and uh, it's Curtin. And so my whole life people have been like, oh, you weave curtains. Now I feel bad about starting off the podcast saying that with your last name. No, it's it's fine. I, I appreciate that you like my last name. I like it too. Well, Hannah, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? I know we talked before and I got extremely excited because I said, wait a minute, you work at Disney. And everyone that's ever listened to my podcast knows I have some questions about Disney, but I like you said, you couldn't go into a lot of things. So I would never put you in a corner to, you know, bombard you with things that you don't want to answer about. So I'm going to ask, what did you do at Disney? Um, So I'm an actor and singer, and I worked for Disney Cruise Line for um, like nine months, I believe. Uh, So I sailed the world with Disney, and I hung out with a bunch of the characters and got to travel and meet a whole bunch of really cool people. So it was amazing. The best way to see the world. Who were you on the ship? Um, So I was Hannah, but I hung out with um, a bunch of the different characters. I was particularly close with Rapunzel and yeah, a couple others. Now, did you actually, were you friends with Rapunzel or were you friends with the person that was in the Rapunzel costume? Because I know they don't ever break character. Yeah, so Rapunzel is real, as we know. (laughs) So it's not a costume, but I was friends with Rapunzel. That's crazy. That, that's, I mean, I, it's so much credit to those people that can stay in, you know, costume or stay in performance uh, through something like that. Like if you stub your toe, you still have to be like, for me, I would be like, I'm immediately out of character, like already freaking out and, you know, flipping off the ocean basically at that point. But it's crazy because I know I mentioned something to Josh who kind of set this up for us was that nobody dies at Disneyland. And that's like, I was wondering why, but I get it, but I just think it was weird. But then as you told me that that's not true. There's definitely been some. And I was like, okay, hang on a second. 
So I Googled it. I did see some cases and I was like, it would make sense why no one would, because it's a park. It's meant to be fun. I mean, I don't, I don't really know the difference between universal studios, six flags, Disney world, only because I've been to like, I don't know if it's, is animal kingdom, Disney world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. They were all, when I was like so little, you, it's like the time you don't remember. So it's yeah. like, I want to go now because now I hear it's like just for adults too. I mean, the fact that you can like, you know, you can get beer if you want to get a beer, you can have fun as an adult. It's not just a place for kids. It's supposed to be this magic kingdom. Yeah. Can you, can you explain the like, nobody dies at Disney thing? I've never heard that before. Apparently their rule was that they pronounce you dead outside of the park. And I've okay, heard that I from, heard that. Yes. Okay, I've heard that from a few people that have actually used to work there. So that's where my biggest question is, because I've never had someone on this podcast to actually go into that, which would make sense. I mean, why are you going to claim a guy that's like passed away right in front of like a roller coaster? Like, oh, yeah, let's take it outside the park where there's no children. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, and again, I didn't work at the park, so like I don't know how any of that works. But just kind of thinking generally, I would imagine if somebody like, let's say, has a heart attack at any amusement park or something like they'd have to take them i would imagine you'd they'd take them to a hospital and like try to treat them and then pronounce them dead there so that to me kind of makes sense i don't know if it's like a specific disney thing or if it's just like a how it's worked out because generally i feel like people aren't pronounced dead on the scene they try to like treat them first but i don't know um but again i worked on the cruise ship and um i don't know if you knew this fun fact about cruise ships but every cruise ship has a morgue on board ho, 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 ho what yeah what? they don't just wait and then like what do you mean by morgue though like so if someone does die they just take them down is it wouldn't that be like the bottom of the ship um yeah so i guess i mean i read this on like a buzzfeed article before i started living on a ship and i was like fascinated by that but when you think about it it makes sense because if you're in the middle of the ocean like you don't want to just have like dead bodies out and about like there has to be somewhere to properly store them if someone does pass away because people pass away on cruise ships like it's it happens this might just be my mind but immediately you said you don't want like bodies out to sea i thought of like a viking death and like rapunzel shooting a fire arrow just wait no who's the girl from brave merida merida okay yeah but rapunzel doing that would be cool too that's so badass (laughs) (laughs) well i mean if you really honestly think of it like I don't know, just saying that there's like a morgue on board. It's like, I wouldn't, like they're expecting it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like if it does happen, I feel like at that point, if someone just dies, just like, let's just put them in the baggage or put them down at the bottom and then we'll take care of it when we get there. That just seems weird to have like a spot that's like, oh, this is a morgue. But that's all cruises. That's what really freaks me out. Yeah, well, I think like cruise ships kind of have to be prepared for anything. And I think it would be weird to just like, I mean, I'm sure like this happened and that's why they then made morgues on board but like to just kind of throw a body somewhere and like bodies smell like they decompose and like you know it's not the buffet table and cruise, the- yeah and cruise ships are like run so efficiently and so there's protocols for everything and like everything is so clean and like well taken care of it's a well-oiled machine like the the mechanics of the ship of course but then like the crew and like the procedures on board so i think like they kind of have to be prepared for anything so i I mean, at least based on my experience, like if there was a body somewhere that like nothing was out of place and if there was like, that would be big, especially if it was like a body. But I think like also, if you think about the demographic of people who take cruises, it's a lot of like elderly people. So like, I would imagine again, totally just guessing that like, you know, people die more frequently on cruise ships than they do on like 
other types of vacations from old age at least see like what was the experience on like living on a ship i mean a lot of people get seasick pretty easy i'm in a beach town so like i'm I've naturally just been around the water my whole entire life. So I've never had that issue of being seasick, but I mean, living on a ship, like what's the longest you've been on there without going off at all. Yeah. Um, I think like two weeks about, oh, that's not, well, I mean, doesn't that get boring though? Like the fact of like, you're on a ship for two weeks. Yeah. There's fun events and stuff to do, but I mean like, you don't, you didn't get nauseous at all at any point. Um, sometimes, I mean, I was working, so like it, it was, yeah, it was fun, but it was like, I was working a solid 70 hours a week. So like, I didn't really have time to like, think about the fun events and stuff like that, which was fine. Again, it was an incredible experience, but I got, it, I don't get, I'm trying to think because I do, I get motion sickness. I do. Um, but I think because the ship was so big unless it was like really rough, I didn't really notice it. And like it, I, it was very evident at first when I first got on board and like, I would feel the ships just like natural movement. And that made me really uneasy, but it wasn't really nauseous, but I did, I got nauseous a couple of times and like we would have performances and, um, <laughs> I was performing in a restaurant and people like guests would literally be like throwing up in the aisles. <laughs> during oh. the show and I'd be like, oh, you're just gonna like hop over this pile of vomit. Like it was so gross. <laughs> it makes me really um, think, cause like, if you think we're the, as we're on the earth right now, it is spinning pretty fast, but we're so used to being on it that we don't realize yeah. it is spinning. So like, if you take a minute to actually just sit and like, you can kind of like be like, okay, now I can kind of sense it a little bit. It's like, you gotta, you just get so, you know, in tune with life or whatever that you just completely ignore. So it must be the same thing like when you're on a ship, you're just so used to it. It's already rocking. So you're rocking with it. So you just. Exactly. So there is an adjustment period, but then kind of once I was used to it, it's natural movement. And like, there were, there were nights of course, when like we would be rocking like crazy or we'd be like listening to one side for a lot. And like that always was like really uneasy. But I got so used to it that actually my first night off the ship after my contract, um, I was like in a hotel with some friends and my friend like was like, Hannah, you're rocking in your sleep. Like, why were you rocking in your sleep? And I think like my body was just like compensating for like the movement I had gotten so used to. Um, so there was an adjustment period coming off too. I just picture you coming off like a cruise for like, let's say you're on there for a month and then like you have, you're, you know, you're with your roommate or whatever. And uh, you have a bunk bed and then you're on the top bunk and the whole bunk is just shaking. You're like, can you stop shaking up there? It's like, I'm adjusted to the cruise ship. It's like when you get off a flight and your whole time schedule's messed up. Oh, I took a trip to Vegas or no, I guess my farthest one would be Hawaii, but that time zone difference, like you're in, you're awake at 4am and then you're asleep by like 5pm and everyone's like, come on, we're going to go out drinking. I'm like, I'm not, I'm going to bed. It's bedtime. It's like, it's the middle of the day. No, it's not. Yeah. It was weird to sail through time zones. That was like an adjustment because one of my first cruises, like when I got on board, we, we sailed across the Atlantic and it was like every day would just like shift an hour and our like work schedule stayed the same. So it would just be like every day I was like a little bit more tired, like when it hit a certain point. And it was a strange adjustment because then like you get there and you're like, oh, we're six hours ahead. And like, I don't really feel different. Like, I feel like you know, I woke up an hour earlier, but it's not drastic. It was, it was a strange gradual progression, which so I liked better than flying into a different time zone. The way I like to think of like time or time zones and daylight savings is time travel. Like 
when the hour changes, it's like you lost an hour or you went forward an hour. It's like, well, there's an hour of my life I'm never getting back. And there's an hour of my life I have extra to have. So it's like, it's a great, I like to think of things like that. I know it sounds dumb, but it makes the world a little bit more entertaining when you're looking at like taxes. What's this? Well, it's just a small fee to live a life. It's like, whoa, well then in comparison, that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's cool to think about like, I guess with time differences and stuff, it's like you can technically go back in time. <laughs> if you go fast enough, it's like you can go an hour back if you like move it to another time zone quickly enough um, and like relive that hour, which is kind of a cool concept. What would you say that I guess the protocol is for since you're on a Disney cruise, it has to be a little bit different from a regular cruise. So is there any specific protocols you had to follow like rules, guidelines? So I've actually never been on a cruise as a guest. So I don't really know. I meant as a worker, like you, you still have to be Hannah, but like, is there anything like you certain things had to follow cleaning wise, doing anything like that? Yeah. So I think like, so I've, I've never been on another ship, never worked on another ship, but I have a lot of friends who have worked for other um, cruise companies and I generally cruise like crew um, do have like some other duties, like people have, um, like safety drills, stuff like that. Um, Did you learn CPR too? I don't think so. I don't really remember. This was a couple years ago. I don't think I did. Um, we learned, we had like drills where we had to practice jumping into the water in a certain way. And like, we had like a swim test we had to pass and stuff like that. So there was a lot of training involved. There's, I think just in general across the board, there's like a lot of um, training and like, what's the word certification stuff like that you have to get to be cleared to work on a ship uh in general i used to do um uh, jet skis and like they, we have to take a cpr test before you're able to be a, a certified guide and i was like oh that makes sense you know if somebody drowns in the water you have to make sure you can help them out and everything that's why i was curious it was like because i know some people that own restaurant businesses and what they'll do is they'll get their staff to like learn the Heimlich procedure, learn all the basic functions of choking. And it's not mandatory for restaurants to be able to do that. So you're going above and beyond when you do that. I'm like, it makes sense. If some dudes choke, if you work at a steakhouse, you should know how to do the Heimlich. I don't know why people eat it, I guess, cause it's good, but it seems like that's the main thing that causes people to choke whenever they're going out to dinner. I hear like, well, a piece of steak got stuck in his throat. And I've had it before, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's tasty, but if I'm going to have, I guess there's that chance of choking, like you don't cut it all the way and there's that little piece that gets stuck to the other piece. And then, it, you know what I mean? I'm like, that's, that's too risky. I'll stick with fish where I know what's going to go down. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it depends on the business for sure. Like there are some businesses that just go like above and beyond to like, you know, train their employees for, for anything. And I think that's really cool. And I definitely think Disney is one of those companies. Like I, I loved working for Disney and I would definitely go back. Um, did but you yeah, free I don't park think... stuff, free park, like get to we did. Fly. Yeah. So we, yeah, I was able to go when I got, when my contract ended, I was able to go. Um, we like debarked in Miami. So we went to Orlando and went to the parks for a couple of days and it, it was really fun as an adult. I hadn't, I hadn't been since I was a kid and it's, it's one of those things, like, I guess with amusement parks across the board, like you kind of get out of it what you put in. And like, if you're going as a little kid and like you want to go on like, the kid rides, like that's great. Or like see the characters at Disney. But if you're going as an adult, like you also, you know, can drink and like 
you know, relive your childhood nostalgia and all of that. So it was really fun. That, okay. So that really sparks an idea in my head because the fact of anybody I've ever seen that posts something about Disney, um, that it talks about this work there, they talk about it. Like they've been to like heaven. I know that sounds like a large example, but they always are like, it's just like, there's just this glimmer in their eye where like you get to see like, it's not that it's like, it seems like they're drugged up, but it's like the fact of like, they just seem happy. And I'm like, what is that? And then you just said it was nostalgia, chasing back to nostalgia. That's what we're all doing today is we're chasing down nostalgia. And I'm like, that would make sense that if the, the reason why people feel that way about the park is if it does bring back your childhood, you're like, fuck, like I had a really good experience there. Yeah. It's pure escapism. And there's actually, there's, I don't know if you watch Disney Plus, if you have Disney Plus, but there's a documentary, like a series um, about Imagineering. And I forget what it's called, but I watched a couple episodes and it's really good. And they talk about like how they design the parks and kind of like the whole history of Disney. And I don't, I'm not like a huge Disney fan. I love it. I grew up with it, but I'm not like a, like quote unquote Disney adult. Um, they kind of scare me actually. Is that like um, an actual thing? Like it's vegans? A thi- yeah, it's like a it's like a stereotype, I guess. Like adults who like are obsessed with Disney and like go to the parks and like have all the merch and everything. And like I really like it. And I again grew up with it. I have that nostalgia connected to it. I worked there. Like I love Disney, but I'm not like booking vacations there all the time. I'm not like yeah. fangirling over the characters, all of that. Um, I but I I appreciate how they've cultivated this like sense of escapism and nostalgia and like it is like a heaven like place because and I and the documentary goes into it like even they pay attention to the smallest details and they've thought of everything and I think from a design standpoint it's so cool like they even like the sight lines like you can't see really outside of the parks from in the parks like you don't see the buildings around you don't see stuff like that you're in the world when you're there and I think that in itself is so cool and like really adds to that sense of nostalgia and escapism and all of that. Yeah, that's really important. It's like playing Thrillville. Like when you go into the park, it's just the park. There's no, like if the game has only designed the park that you design, there's no other outside things that you can see past it. Like, oh, there's the skyscrapers in the background. It's like if you ever play a zoo video game versus, you know, Thrillville or something, the zoo one will put you like, you're in New York and you get to look around and get to see the buildings yeah. and it lets you know you're in a zoo. But when you're actually in the park, all you can focus on is the park which that's extremely important, especially like if you were built next to a factory, if you're built next to something. So then it kind of takes the hit out of it. Like I'm still enjoying it, but I can still see that from the ET ride. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. You're it's fully immersive. And like every detail down to like the trash cans have been, has been fully fleshed out and like fully thought out. And that it's just so cool. Like there's geniuses working there. They have the perfect model style. I heard El Chapo say it himself. He goes, you ever been to Disney World? And some dude's like, no. He goes, very clean, very clean. And you're like, oh, so that's what you do in your business model. You try and make it very clean. No flaws. I like that. (laughs) Well, so I do want to ask because I did a little deep dive on you when it comes to the podcast. Yeah. So please, guys are crazy. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm promoted right off the back, but <laughs> what do you, you're challenging stereotypes. What do you mean by stereotypes? Yeah. So thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. I run a podcast with my fabulous co-host and roommate Meg. 
It's called Guys Are Crazy. Guys are crazy. <laughs> it's guys with a Z, the letter R, and the word crazy. So we started it um, during like the peak of quarantine. Um, we're both based in New York City, which fully shut down. And we left the city and we're like, we need something to do. We've been thinking about this for a long time. Basically, Meg and I moved in together almost two years ago and we were dating people like we were on dating apps, all of that. And we kept getting in these like insane situations and guys would like message us weird things or like the cringy pickup lines, all this stuff. And we were, Meg and I are both very feminist and we were thinking about there's a stereotype that like women are crazy. Women are over emotional, you know, all of this, like women are to blame for like women are crazy sensitive, things. Yeah. Yes. That happen in relationships. And it was like mind boggling to us that guys would be saying these like insane things to us and then like turn around and talk about how women are crazy. And we've both been called crazy before and we're not, we're very like level-headed. So we were like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's like unpack this. So ultimately what ended up happening was we started this podcast to challenge the stereotype that women are crazy or that like being over emotional is a negative thing. And so that's where the name comes, comes from. And we talk about all things like dating and relationships. We, we interview, we're interview based. We talk to people from like all walks of life about their experiences and, or their expertise and how it relates to dating and relationships. This is such like a, like you said, controversial topic only on the factor of it's like, I don't know. It's, 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 it's so true on both sides. You can fight the side against it. Or you can fight for it. Like the whole side that's a lot of it's the guys, a lot of it's the girls, you know, everything you consider a stereotype. Cause then I look at it like there's going to be a guy out there like me that might not, you know, or might work up the courage to finally ask a girl out. But then she has this opinionated view that like all guys are just want this, want that. And it's like, well, that's not every single one, but it is the majority. Nobody like, especially with the internet, it's kind of like technology. Technology has fixed every issue it created in the first place. And people think it's like this giant life saving thing. I'm like, we wouldn't have that problem if Twitter wasn't invented. There wouldn't be a person in Estonia talking shit on you. There would be, that would not have occurred because Twitter has opened that doorway, but Twitter also solves it by removing it. It's like that's, it's the problem was created and then it fixed itself. The issue is, uh, I don't, that's all hormones and stuff too. It's like high school. Like the best advice you could do is all these, you know, guys do think with their dick most of the time. So it's like, wait or do something, get rid of those hormones and then figure out if you actually want somebody. I think that's what everyone is into is like you're dating in your twenties, you're dating when you're so young and you don't end up don't find, or I guess you end up getting serious around in your thirties, but the internet, social media, networking, all these things have completely changed that to the point. Like now everyone's just free going everywhere. I know so many of my friends that have kids like five or six and I'm like, how, like, you're not married, you don't have a girlfriend, and they're all from different moms. I'm like, you understand that's going to mess up the kids even more. And it's like, it goes down to this big heated thing where I'm like, when can we just figure out like one thing at a time, like you're trying to sort your own life out. And then you're trying to also focus on going out and get a relationship because nobody wants to die alone. 
Yeah. Well, I think like kind of going back to what you originally said that like, like the not all guys, not all girls thing. I think a lot of the time speaking from my personal experience and like that of my friends, my like girlfriends. Um, and I'm also only talking about like cisgendered, um, heterosexual relationships. Like I'm very much generalizing, but I think the whole like generalizing the saying, you know, guys only want this, guys are looking for this, all of that. It's not personal. (laughs) It's societal. So like when I say men are trash, I don't mean like you are a trash person. I mean, like the patriarchy has raised men to think a certain way or to act a certain way. And that's like not individual men's fault, but it's the unfortunate truth. And I think men can combat that and, and can learn how to kind of reverse that and acknowledge that. But it's always going to be there the same way that like women have been socialized a certain way, men have been socialized a different way. And like, again, it's the more that we know and the more that we can kind of recognize that and try to reverse it or like equalize it. And that can help us like grow in relationships and as individuals. So again, like when, yeah, when we're like, men are trash we're not like you Robbie are trash we're like you have been raised with certain ideals that we have been raised differently and it's important to understand that well it's like for so long like I mean I'll give an example of like my grandfather for instance never told my dad that he loved him at all until he was an adult like there was just none of that sharing the love my great-grandfather didn't really do it until like a little bit after I was born because my dad kind of influenced that he made sure every single time to say those words but it was seen for them as a guy thing to not do that to not get emotional and it was like shit like with the world coming to what it is now like millennials this whole generation they talk about like oh you're just a millennial like it's a bad thing not really. I look at it like, yeah, there is some things where you're like, all right, dude, settle down. But it's also the factor of millennials are more caring about everything. And I think it's this weird free state of love that we're all kind of in now where it's turning into like Woodstock or Burning Man, where everybody's loving everybody. Like, you know, there's no guy and girl. There's no girl and guy. There's no guy and guy. There's It's everything you want. You can go back and forth as much as you want. And it's now getting more steam, I say, which is amazing to see how we're kind of progressing. But I think it all boils down to like what you're saying, society a little bit in a ways. There is just this thinking like you can't get emotional if you're a guy and women are overly emotional. And it's like, that's a stereotype, but like, that, I, I don't believe in that at all. I might laugh if somebody cracks a joke on it, but that's just, to me, that's not true. Like in my head, I'm like, I know plenty of my ex-girlfriend could throw me through a table. Actually, that's what I really liked about her. But the whole factor of like, that's we're we're changing so fast and it's really weird to see, but it's like, we're still afraid of the biggest thing, which I think is holding us back. And that's like kinks and stuff. Nobody ever wants to do that. Nobody ever wants to be themselves when the door's locked and nobody's watching you. Nobody ever wants that to act with that confidence, to be out and afraid to share something unless they get, you know, immediately connected. And that's when I see like videos of a dude getting his nut stomped with high heels or something. I'm like, fuck ow but good for you bro because you're out there doing something you don't give who sees it like people look at porn stars with like this terrible eye like oh they're doing this crazy nasty thing i'm like but they're honest about the one thing that you wouldn't be honest about 
Yeah, I think I think things like social media are good and bad. Like social media is normalizing so much and exposing people to so much. And I think that's wonderful because especially in the case of like men and boys even because like younger and younger people are using social media, it's spreading the idea that like men are allowed to be emotional and kind of like normalizing that, which is so wonderful. There's been such a push recently um, to recognize like men's mental health because for so long mental health has been like a women's issue. Um, and like men have, like you were saying, never been really allowed to like have emotion. And that's terrible because men have emotion, whether or not they have the vocabulary to recognize and confront it. But at the same time, social media then like puts so much, there's such a opportunity to like shame people on social media, which is awful. So it's this like weird, like you kind of have to find a balance between like finding like-minded people and like seeing that it's okay to, you know, be certain ways or like do certain things. But then at the same time, it's like, there's so much more opportunity to make people feel terrible about what they're doing on social media. So it's kind of like the old saying, roll with the skid or roll with the punches a little bit on the factor of like, if somebody's putting you on blast on social media about like, Oh, he does this or they do that. And it's like a secret you have look how, like I was talking about in the beginning about like taxes or death or something like that. Just look at it like in a different eye and be like, that's something that's, I don't want people to know and it's getting out there. So is that a thing inside me? Like, why would I ever want anything such as an idea or something I do and people be afraid of what people think? I always talk about it. Sweatpants confidence. When you can go to the store and not give a shit because you're in sweatpants, you're in a, a greasy shirt, it's got ketchup stains, coffee stains, whatever on it. I think we need more of that. And I think social media is creating that a little bit because I think everyone always talks about like, oh my God, like I would never want to be like, or everybody wants to be famous, but there's that thing that's going to hold that you never want to get out, or you might not even know that is a secret. And then it gets out there. And then you're like, why did I ever want to become famous? You hear about all the famous people talking about it now. It's like, you just got to air your shit. The thing is, when you start to get canceled, or you start to get like, lose a little bit of your career or something is when you sit there and try and hide it. We don't like yeah. to be hidden. It's this thing I call like blinded by the truth, basically, which is like, when uh this is gonna be ah, this is gonna be an insane episode we went from disney to this to now we're about to go to bill cosby so the what i was, was what i'm saying about bill cosby is there are pages out there that say bill cosby is innocent but he's been proven guilty and he's also admitted to the things that he's done but it's people that are blinded with such love towards him that they don't want to believe it themselves so it's like it's not about canceling that person because what they did but forgive them for what they did and try and help them get past these demons that they have i think a lot of the times and that's not saying what he did was is forgivable that's just saying on the factor of you can punish a person it's never truly going to change them but if we can work on a way to help them see a new educated perspective which is what the world is about it's why we're so evolving and so advancing and really turning into this I think we're, we're definitely like, we're like the clay right now that's getting molded. Like we're, we're yeah. the dudes crafting us out. We need to figure out what that final thing is going to be. Yeah. I think this is something we talk on guys are crazy um, about a lot. There's, there are like levels to like, I don't want to say 
crimes, but like there's levels to actions, negative actions. So like, for example, like there's been, there's been so much, so many discussions recently about like race and um, something we talk about is like, there's a difference between like saying the N word repeatedly or like murdering someone, you know, like there's, there's a difference between that, which is like, oh my gosh, like those are racist. Like if you're in the KKK, like you're racist, of course. But then it's like people who make, you know, say like microaggressions or like smaller things that are more ingrained in our society that people might not realize are wrong, but like, they're still racist. So like, you know, calling someone racist for like, uh, you know, putting forth a stereotype about people of color is still accurate. It's just a different, it holds more weight there than it does if like the person was in the KKK, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, but I think it's still important. And like, I don't know exactly what I was saying, but also something else we talk about is the levels of sexism. Okay. So for example, like, Bill Cosby, or like, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but like, for example, what Bill Cosby did was obviously terrible and harassment. Like he, you know, he's a sexual abuser, but then we normalize things like catcalling, like every man, okay, maybe not every man, but lots of men catcall women. And a lot of men don't realize that it's still a form of harassment or gaslighting. Things like that have been normalized by society to the extent that people don't realize they're wrong, even when they're told they're wrong. Um, you know, for like catcalling men are like, oh, it's a compliment. Like, no, it's not a compliment. It's harassment. It's not the same harassment to the extent that like Bill Cosby or like Harvey Weinstein was like abusing women, but it's, it's still, still harassment. Yeah. Um, What's strange about that though, is that there's going to be the other side of women that are like, I like to be catcalled. I like to do that. And then that throws in a whole put proportion of like, we're never going to go to a higher form of elevation on it. But if you're a dude and you're thinking that all women like that, or you think that that is just, that's dumb thinking in my, in my opinion. Um, but like, there's also girls that like to be, you know, hit on like that. There's girls that fish out for compliments like that. And it brings this whole divide. So, I mean, you can fight the side of them too. I'm just trying to figure out where like, what's important about what you're doing with your podcast too, is you're calling out like stuff where like an average person would be like, what the f like, why are you sending them? Like, Hey, what are you wearing? Oh, by the way, Merry Christmas. It's like, that exactly. makes sense. Like, yo, you, you don't know the boundary lines here. And then there's like, that's what kind of needs to be addressed a little bit more. But most yes. of the people know what the boundary lines are. It's just the sad part is there's this workup to like if from a guy's perspective trying to get a girl there's the workup which is like hey how's it going what's up how are you doing i look back to when i was in high school and i'm looking at like thinking about the times i was texting someone just hey how's it going oh you're beautiful you're after like every other word i'm like did i really feel that and at my the time in my head i thought i did but then you realize you were thinking with your hormones rather than thinking with your brain now that i'm older i can see that perspective a little bit clearer but it's like that's there's some people that never get out of that where it's like they're 50 and they're acting like that and it's like bro no bot no 20 year old girl wants a 50 year old guy unless you got that johnny depp money like it's that type of thing which i think is important to realize too you know talk about that stuff too it go 
it's there's another thing that's really weird is the fact that a 50 year old guy getting a 20 year old girl is seen as like disgusting but then a 50 year old woman getting a 20 year old guy is in like damn she's get like it's a whole it's a weird i don't know how we got in these tracks like it's like we're stuck in a rut and then we don't know how we even got in there we're sitting there like what the hell like we're on a cruise in the middle of the ocean and there's no island and we forgot where north south east and west is yeah so i think like what you're saying about boundaries like that's something that we that's kind of one of the points of our podcast so on guys are crazy we we try to push that boundary of like everyone knows that you know you shouldn't harass women but like what does harassment mean? Like I was saying, like, we're trying to kind of talk about it more. So like the more like average people, the average man who's not going around like abusing women recognizes that like he might have beliefs or he might have little actions that are still cringy, that are still, you know, that, that still sit wrong to a woman. And I think like, there's, there's nothing wrong with thinking with your hormones. Like there's nothing wrong with looking for casual sex. There's nothing wrong with any of that. Like you do you, whether you're in high school or whether you're 50, but I think the important part is like, you're upfront about it. And that's something else we, we like really stress is like being open with intentions because like, there's nothing wrong with being like, you know, you up, like sending that booty call text late at night, as long as you're not like, leading someone on like hey like i want a relationship you know whatever whatever and then being like what no speaking again from like experience or um my friend's experience it's like then those men will turn around and like gaslight a woman and be like it's your fault for thinking that i wanted a relationship like you should have you know, just yeah. called the podcast Don't Be a Creep because that's honestly what you're basically doing is just teaching people like, hey, this is not like the right way to do this. Exactly. I want to go back to the 20s where it was like you had to actually go and do all the things that they called manners. You know, the thing like, oh, when you went on a date, you held the hand, you did that type of stuff. Now it's like, hold on, let me take a selfie. Let me do, you know, it's like it's all about sending emojis, which I think when I mean the twenties, I don't mean where women's rights were at that time. Right, right. <laughs> I mean the fact of what a relationship was was a lot yeah. about. But then it also appeases on the guy being the main responsible one. Who says the woman can't take um the guy out to dinner? Honestly, yeah. I love that. If a chick's like, "Hey, we're going to dinner," I'm like, "Let's fucking get me in the car. Let's go." Like, I, yeah. I, where are we going? Red Lobster? Like, I like that whole type of thinking. I just think like it shouldn't be stereotypicalized to that the guy has to do it. The, the women can do it. And I think that's where we're going as a society now is that people are starting to realize like all these things that we've lived so long by were created by people that were at a different plane of thinking. They did not, you, it, you were living on rules that were built like 1900, 1800, you know, declaration of independence style stuff. And it's like, I don't think any of them made those rules thinking that society was going to hit this level. I don't think that like that did not cross their mind at all that there was going to be a chip we put in our head. I don't think George Washington was like, you know what? We got to make an amendment clause for when the neural link is invented, because then that's going to change everything. So I think like now we should be working with a new guideline, a new rules, a new set of system where it's like, can people just be people? That's been an old, old code for so freaking long. But 
it seems like we hear it, but then it's in one ear and out the other. If it's not written down or mandated by the government, then nobody wants to believe in it. And I'm like, hang on a second. You can do whatever you want, basically. You do have limited freedoms on what you can do in like the world, but in your own life, you can you know, get a sex change operation. You can do what you have that freedom as long as you have the money for it. So it's like, how do we find the ground here to challenge stereotypes and figure out why there's stereotypes and why does talking about like right now, as we're talking about dating relationships, stereotypes, everything, there's this stigma that floats in the room where it's like, nobody ever wants to talk about it. Cause then you feel like, well, uh, you know, but yeah, it's like everyone would rather just lay it down to the side. It's like when you talk about gender, race, or anything, everybody, there's that stigma bug that comes in the It's room. like taboo, and it shouldn't be. It's like we should talk about them. They're issues yeah. everybody deals with. And to answer your question, how do we fix that? We vote. <laughs> we, you know, help enact policy change because there's so much sexism in current policy. So much. Like to the small, like the stupid pink tax. Like my razors cost more than your razors, even though they do the same thing because they're pink and they're for women, like stupidest things like that up to like, you know, abortion law, like, you know, my body, my choice, that type of thing. And then we talk about it. That's the other actionable step we can take. We normalize having conversations about these taboo subjects because again, they're in everybody's lives. Like we're all in the same society, even though like it looks different, like kind of where you live, but there's these unspoken rules and these unspoken customs that we've had since the beginning of time that have developed and have progressed, but they're still there. So we talk about them. We normalize, you know, calling people out for their behaviors. You know, if, if a guy, if I'm like dating a guy and he refuses to like, let me pay for a meal, like I'm going to call that out because that's sexist to a certain extent, like chivalry is sexist. Um, things like that. You know, we, we hold each other accountable and we explain why and we educate. I feel like that's got to be something that's also got to be bred out too. I feel like the more we normalize and educate it, there just has to be like how we're thinking about it. Then our kids are going to think like this, and then it's going to, it's going to keep going down the line to the point where it's like, there was never that in the first place, but it's going to, it's, that's a process. That's something that's going to take a little while because you still got the older generations. You still got other people that are kind of stuck in their ways and it's not their fault. It's just, they've lived that for so long. It's like you live to be 60 years old. And next thing you know, someone tells you, Hey, blue is not actually blue. It's red. And you're like, well, that's not true because I believed it's in this color. It's my favorite color. I have a watch that's blue it's like you can't you can't sometimes you just it's very hard to change that in everyone's mindset people want to I feel like when it comes down to it people always talk about what you know like fighting aside or fighting for this I'm like a lot of people are just trying to survive like it's this world is so crazy and we talk about like you mentioned something that really piqued my curiosity which was um how like females or women are the ones that suffer from mental health issues everyone suffers from mental health issues it is yeah. well that's that, that was my point yeah yeah, yeah, so yeah everyone yeah them but it's stereotypically like only women do because like women have feelings and yeah it's like, oh, i, I, I feelings might have said that awesome. um i might have said that wrong i wasn't trying to okay say that. <laughs> no but that was the point you were getting is yeah. that no men are getting it too it's like mm -hmm. yeah it's like but 
for uh, if a woman goes to a guy and, or goes to someone, an adult and says, hey, like I'm suffering from depression. Oh, how can we fix this? How can we help you out? And if a guy doesn't get the fuck over it, it has been the thinking for a very long time. And it's like, it's crazy to see how now people are noticing that depression is something to where if you don't ever get it, and that's not saying you never will, because it could hit you at any point in your life. But severe depression, if you can live without knowing what that is, then you've made it lucky. But a lot of the world now, since of all these influences, social media, the internet, everything has now shoved it in our face to the point where now it's like everywhere and we can't focus. It's important to have the vocabulary to like be able to talk about it. Um, and I think it goes back to like, just the way that people are brought up, like women are taught, you know, they're, if they're, if women are feeling negative about something, it's like, you could be sad, you could be, you know, uncomfortable, you could be angry, you could be frustrated. If men are upset about something, it's like, you're angry. And like, that's it. Like, there's no, men aren't that, taught to That's like, got to stop on both know. genders is the whole telling somebody what they feel. Cause that just creates so much anger. I hate it when like, if you go to a store and someone's like, you look tired. I thought I was looking really fucking good today. Thank you for totally shooting down the confidence. And then someone's like, whoa, you're angry or whoa, you're sad. You look sad. It's like, don't tell me how I feel. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, that's but I think, sucks. but there's more women are allowed to feel more things. That's kind of what the point I was getting at. Like women are allowed to feel, you know, a hundred different ways of feeling negative. But if a man feels negative, it's like they just have a smaller vocabulary to talk about that because they're not taught that they're allowed to feel uncomfortable, frustrated. You know, I'm just listing random negative feelings. But also women are taught to handle those feelings largely in part of like because of hormones. Like women have mood swings and are it's a well-known fact that women have hormonal mood swings like during puberty. And like for most of our adult lives. And because of that, we're taught how to combat those. We're taught how to deal with negative emotions. And we're taught how to like be palatable through those mood swings. Men are never taught that. Men are never taught like, okay, you might have hormonal rushes or you might get angry. This is how you deal with it. You've never had to. And because of that, like men are, men then grow up to like not know how to deal with mood swings or not know how to deal with anger or like negative feelings in a palatable like socially acceptable way and like it's caused so many problems historically and it's always i've always found it so ironic that women are like forever women have been considered too emotional to be emotional to like lead a business stuff like that where like women are emotional because we're taught how to have emotions and we're taught how to temper those men are men are not emotional quote unquote, because they don't know how to deal with them. So like men fly off the handle. And again, I'm generalizing and don't know how to like talk about it. Don't know how to acknowledge that and then deal with it. Women fly off the handle. And we're like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going to do to fix that. And it's so ironic to me that society like recognizes that acknowledgement and like release of emotions as a negative thing or as like being too emotional. Whereas men like are allowed to fly off the handle and it's like, 
there's no repercussions. I feel like the, the error is taught on like sex education or health class yeah, or something like absolutely. the fact like once you start learning about testosterone, how guys produce that, it, like testosterone is seen as this giant like angry muscle bound hormone that's like it's going to cause you to get turned into the incredible hulk. That's literally the description of testosterone. And then estrogen seen as like this like somebody crying with an umbrella where it's just the clown with the sad tear going down the eye where it's like, Oh, and then women have this that makes them cry all the time. And guys have testosterone that make them angry all the time. It's like, what? stop teaching that because honestly that doesn't make sense. And especially now when people are doing like gender transfers or gender switching where they get estrogen put in their body or hormones like testosterone put into their body. It's like, you're throwing off the whole shift here with, that education on, first of all, sex is never really talked about in school. At least for me, it wasn't that big of a thing. All these things that they leave you to figure out on your own, but they instill these bad ways of thinking into your brain. So then you're still thinking from that. And that's how you use to navigate the situation until you get older and you find out that's all horse shit where you're like, oh man, I've, like I said, we're stuck in the rut and we don't know how to get out. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, the, the interesting thing is, and we've done a couple episodes now on sex ed and like it's, it's shortcomings. But the interesting thing is that testosterone is like glamorized. Like men want testosterone, men want to be, it's like manly. And it, you know, you play sports and you like do these manly things. You can like, fight a bear. Exactly. Whereas estrogen is like demonized. It's like, oh, like you don't want to be crying all the time. Like that's, you know, that's girly. Like you don't want to be a girl. And like, it's, it's not the, I don't personally think that it's, bad that we talk about the effects of these things but i think it's how we talk about them and it does start it starts from a very very young age like men are taught as babies like you know you're gonna grow up to be strong like you're gonna you know play sports i'm i'm just using sports as an example yeah because it's like such like a manly thing to do stereotypically but men are taught that and like women from a very young age are like bought kitchen sets and like dolls and taught how to like home make and it's not like it's not something it's not conscious like I'm people aren't bringing their kids to the store and buying them like their daughters to a store and buying them a doll with the implication that like they're going to be a stay-at-home mom when they grow up that's not the thought but the thought was there at some point in how children have been raised it's crazy because the world has progressed so fast in the past 20 years like from you know, let's say when I was a baby or something, it was like, oh, there's, you know, mom stays at home. She doesn't have a job. She works, you know, cleans around the house, takes care of all those things. And the dad goes out. That's that. That was the way of thinking was the father, whoever the man figure would be out and getting the money. The mom stays at home. Then it's like, I have friends that are dads and they stay home while the, you know, their girlfriend or whatever wife goes out and works all day long and brings home money there's it's that new way of thinking now that we've progressed it's crazy to see the change in the past 20 years but i just feel like we're still not really noticing it too like you start to notice like um i think anybody really should just take a minute and find something inside of themselves like crying is not bad cry i guarantee you like i know people that are like so manly like their parents died and they're like I had to make myself cry. And then next thing you know, they, instead of making themselves cry, like thinking all sad things as they possibly can. An hour later, they're done crying. And they're like, wow, like I really had some demons in there. I needed to get out. It's like, yeah, that's why older people are getting this new way of thinking when they go to therapy and they realize, oh, it's not 
it's not bad to talk about your feelings. I'll still, if I go to a therapist or if I go there and start talking, you have a lot of courage of coming in here. Why? Well, we don't really get a lot, a whole lot of guy clients that come in here. I'm like, really? Like you would think that like just talking, having a conversation, which is kind of the point of this whole podcast is it helps figure stuff out. If you want to get and go deep on it, go deep on it, but talk what's on your mind. It's like, all you really need is a good chat with somebody. Once you have that good chat, you feel better. You're more positive and you're going to make less stereotypes and more of these or less of these uh, examples or explanations of, oh, you're going to act like a dick to somebody. You're acting like that because you're not happy on the inside as well. There is something going on. You need to talk to somebody. You need to address it. And then you won't do that to other people because all you're doing is trying to shoot off that scar, shoot off that wound. I'm like, it's Yeah, exactly. Out. I think like talking about emotions and expressing emotions, who identifies as a woman and always has, like, I'm not a super emotional person. And it's taken me a long time to like get to the point where I'm okay with like verbalizing my emotion and expressing it. And it's so healthy. But like, it's just so important to talk about feelings like across the board, no matter what your gender is. Um, and we talk about that so much on Guys Are Crazy. I think a mandated law should be like, you should have at least 30 minutes of doing something where you can sit and think and like be with yourself for a minute. It's like when you work all week and then you have that one day off and then it's like you sleep the whole day and you're like, wow, I slept all day. It's because you didn't know. You were so on autopilot. I think people need to be more in the moment. You know, that, that not talking about like, we got to go to Vegas right now. None of that type of thinking, but more like, hey. Present, like, be present with yourself. Yes. And yeah. I, people don't want to do that. People mm -hmm. don't want to come to those realizations that there's something there that they're ignoring. They just want to keep pushing it down farther and farther and address it later down the line. It's like, if you don't address it now, you're never going to address it until it gets to a point where it explodes. And the next thing you know, you're giving an ear beating to a person that you just met in the store where they're like, I didn't know any of this about you. I didn't want it. I didn't want it. And it's like, they're like falling back into the corner. It's like, you need to address those to mentally prepare yourself and mentally, first of all, clarify everything in your life. So you don't ever get depression. So you don't, mental health doesn't keep rising. Yeah, um, I <laughs> we talk about like confrontation sometimes on Guys Are Crazy and like, don't get me started on that because I get so angry when people are afraid of confrontation and I understand it, it's hard, but like things fester, like when you don't address things, they fester and they bubble up. And like you said, like you just explode. And I think it's it's so important to recognize that like confrontation yes can happen between like multiple people but you also have to confront yourself like spending time alone is so valuable and when people can't spend time by themselves it's it's sad it's like don't you like yourself i don't know like why don't you want to be alone with your thoughts like what are you thinking that's so bad that you can't like just think about for a second um and I, do, I, I spend you, a ton of time alone and I love it like yeah. by choice. <laughs> I literally try. I mean, I try and stay busy so I don't get stuck with my thoughts, but there are things where I'm like, okay, why is this really weighing on me? But then after I like sit there and 
because I'm an insomniac, so in the middle of the night, I'll just be thinking it through, like just in my own head, like, oh, remember in eighth grade when this happened? And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> That's the worst. But you got to clarify those things and be like, all right, what can I do to not feel like this? What can I do to get myself out of this slump? What in my life am I neglecting? It's like keeping a dream journal. A lot of the stuff yeah. you dream, like nightmares and stuff. A lot of those things, if you wake up, circle the biggest things that were involved in that dream and then circle the giant problems that were in it. Next thing you know, you realize I had a dream about sharks and water. Okay, maybe I'm drowning at this job, a corporate job that I'm in where I don't feel like I feel like a small fish and all these guys are sharks. Well, there you go. You just kind of figured it out. And then you found the emotional thing that was locked. I think as in education system, this should be a class that should be taught. We're doing forms of yoga in some schools to help kids with ADHD. I believe we should do a form of meditation or have a class on like, not sitting there saying, oh, we're gonna breathe for 30 minutes. No, just, you need to sit there and be like, write something down, you know, write some of your thoughts down and we're just going to look at them and figure out what this means. You know, every, I feel like that should be more of a thing. Guidance counselors should definitely play a bigger role in a person's life, especially when they're going through those developmental ages. Cause I mean, I saw my guidance counselor earlier when I was in trouble. So it was just a reason for me to get in trouble. Like you just want somebody to give you that advice that you're not turning into an angry human when you grow up. Yeah. Like self-care practices are so important and we're not taught them. Like it's all taught i guess trial and error it's like you find what works for you but like we're not given the opportunity to like explore that growing up and something that i i love going on long walks by myself i love it i do it all the time and it's like it's a nice chance to reflect and to like you know physical activity i think is really important to like let out anxiety for a lot of people and like i don't like to exercise so i like to walk and like that's what i do um or meditation or journaling like they're so important to just like spend time with your thoughts and you become a better person because of it. That's why a lot of people like going to the gym. Like I've worked out every day for eight years. Let me tell you something on the way there. I'm like, ah, I don't want to work out. <laughs> but then once you're done, you're like, oh my God, thank God I did that. Like people would literally ask me like, Hey, can I use your car before the gym? I'm like, Psh. No. And then afterwards, my like, dude, take it. Like, I feel stoned. Like I went to a chiropractor and afterwards I slept 14 hours. You don't know you need it until you have it. Like you need those, those hormonal balances. You need to have good food. You need to have all these things. You need to focus on so many things in your life. And everyone goes, but there's so much to focus on one at a time. Take, <laughs> take one, you know, work the peg down. You got a list you can go through. You got plenty of time. You know, you, you're only rushing your life and everyone's grasping for this second of fame or wants to be famous all right now. It's like, no, no, no. Everything is a process. You went to school for 15 years or so before you became an adult and graduated. You're going to have to go to school to figure out how to find yourself. It's going to take some time. That's why you hear all these monks up there for 70 something years trying to figure it out. Hopefully you find it sooner than they do. Yeah. I wish that was something that some like people told me when I was young, like nobody has it figured out. Like adults don't know what they're doing. Yeah, You just realize <laughs> like you just like you fake it till you make it. Well, as a kid, you think adults have like all the words and all the guidance to get you through anything in life, any question you want answered. But then I brought up a question in a podcast. The dude, uh, his podcast called is what, uh, what is life? And it's his name's Tom Turner. I'll give him a shout out. But that question is different for everybody. Yeah. What is life to you? What does that mean to you? And how can we make the world a better place 
So then people don't feel like it's this corporate nine to five life. You have to always be working. Oh God, no. Make it fun and make it like Disney world. Yes, exactly. Follow, yeah. Do, do what you want to do. I have no like last words of wisdom. <laughs> you said it perfectly. Just cut that out. <laughs> Hannah, please promote your show, promote uh, anything you want. Yeah, thanks. So thank you so much for having me on today. This has been a great conversation. I feel like there are good guys out there. <laughs> and I feel like I got some some nice ranting about the patriarchy out. It's a great way to start my Monday morning. You messaged me before we talked about it. Is, is, is it anything off limits? Like I was like, she's going to hit me on a controversial topic. What's <laughs> it going to be? No, well, it shouldn't be controversial. Exactly. Everyone should be having these conversations. So thank you for giving me the platform. Um, if y'all want to listen to my podcast, again, it's me and my roomie. We talk about stereotypes and gender, and it's really anyone can listen and get something out of it. We talk to people of all genders from all walks of life. Um, it's called Guys Are Crazy. That's G-U-Y-Z-R crazy. And you can find us on social media. Um, at guys are crazy. Uh, we have a website, guysarecrazy.com. Um, and you can listen on any uh, podcast platform. Well, thank you for listening to this episode out of the blank podcast and stay tuned for our next episode.